I'm going to start a series for the next couple of weeks on the mysteries of Christmas. And so we're going to be talking in the next three weeks about three of the mysteries regarding Christmas and, 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 and what it means and how it, it applies to our lives. Uh, we're in a world in which we like to understand stuff. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, that was a big part of my world was uh, I took a lot of stuff apart. Uh, my parents didn't throw stuff away because I took it apart first. And I took apart some stuff I shouldn't have taken apart because uh, they weren't ready to throw it away. But that's another story. Um, Christmas, for most of us, has a mystery about it. Uh, for many of you, there are presents under a tree that are wrapped and you have no idea what they are. And um, for some of you, you're like me, you just buy whatever you want for Christmas and tell your wife to, that's my Christmas gift. Um, but you know, we all have ways about Christmas and there's a, there's a certain mystery about it. And, and one of the things that, that happens, I think, in our culture is, is when we go to try to understand stuff, we lose the wonder of it. And we lose the fun, and we lose the excitement, and we lose the, um, the mystery. And so I want to talk this morning about a couple of things. I want to talk this morning specifically about one thing, and then we'll look at another one next week and the following week. But this morning I want to look at, at, at what's known as the mystery of the incarnation. Now that's a big word, and for some of you, you know what I'm talking about, and some of you don't. By the end of this morning, we'll all know what we're talking about. But the idea of the incarnation is a very, very important concept for Christmas. And it has some really important ramifications and understandings for us. So this morning I want to look at it and I want to talk a little bit about this idea of what does the incarnation mean for us regarding Christmas and particularly our own lives. Basically, the idea of incarnation is the idea of in the flesh. We're going to talk about the idea that God comes in the flesh and we'll talk about why that's important and, 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 and how. Because you see, if God didn't come in the flesh, we have no salvation. Because you see, the Bible was very, very clear that without the shedding of blood, there's no way to deal with sin. In order for sin to be dealt with, blood has to be shed. Well, if the only way to have blood is to have a body. And the only way to have a body, if you're God, is to come in the flesh. So the incarnation is about God coming in the flesh. He never does not become God. He doesn't like put the God aside and become a man and then, no, no, he's God the entire time. And that's, that's the mystery, is how God can wrap, and the way I would say it is this, God wrapped human flesh around himself. And he voluntarily limited himself to the limits of human flesh, with one exception, he didn't sin. And that is an incredible mystery. And so this morning, I want to look at two passages. I want to try to illustrate it, and then I want to talk about what it means for us, and then I want to apply it on, on how it makes a difference in your life this week. So with that in mind, we're going to look at two passages. The first one's in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John presents Jesus as the Son of God. So that's the focus of the whole Gospel. Every Gospel puts a different spin on the life of Christ. Um, Matthew sees him as king. Mark sees him as servant. Luke sees him as the perfect man. Uh, John sees him as the Son of God. And so here's what it says. It says, in the beginning was the Word, talking about 
Jesus as well. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Talking about Jesus. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then it goes on. Uh, yeah, we're going to read all the pa- uh, both passages, guys. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to that light. So John said, look, I'm not, I'm not the guy we're talking about here. All I'm doing is telling you about it. And he goes on. Uh, next verse, guys. Oh, you're already there? Oh, the true light that gives light to, the, to everyone was coming into the world, speaking of Jesus. He was in the world, and through the world was made through him. And the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. In other words, when Jesus came as God, as as God in flesh, as the Messiah, they didn't recognize him. That's what he says. And he goes on to say this. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. The children born not of natural descent nor of human decision. Or of a husband's will, but born of God. Listen to what Philippians says. Paul says this in the book of Philippians. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, I kind of forget this. Uh, this is what we're, this is the whole passage. The word became flesh, talking about Jesus, and made his dwelling among us. Uh, that word dwelling is an important word. It means tabernacled. And we'll talk about that in a second. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Speaking of what Jesus did, that he dwelt among us as God. Philippians chapter 2 says it this way. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. In other words, God didn't say, you know what, I'm too good to go do this. But instead, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then it goes on. Wherefore, uh, let's see, got it guys? Yeah. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, that is... In a nutshell, what we want to talk about this morning, and we want to talk—I love it. Uh, we want to talk about uh, this idea of the incarnation, what it means, how how we understand it, how we come to uh, to to embrace it. So, here's what I want to do: um, I want this Christmas balls from IKEA. It means you buy a lot of them cheap. Um, I uh, I want this to represent God. Okay, so I want the balls to represent God. What God did was God said, you know what? I want to come to the earth. Now, here's the problem. If he comes as God, none of us can relate to him, can we? I mean, we're, we're not God. We'll never be God. We, we can never be like God. So, but what he does is God says, I'm going to come. I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to come in the likeness of men. So I want the jars, okay? To represent humanity, human beings, all right? 
So this is what the Christmas story is all about. It's about the idea that God says, I'm going to come to the world as a human being. And how do human beings, how do human beings get here? We are born. We don't just appear, we are born. So he says, I'm going to be born as a baby. That's the Christmas story. And I'm going to have to, that means I'm going to have to come in the flesh. So what God does is he takes himself and he puts himself, and this is the incarnation, in flesh. And he says, this is how I'm going to come into the world. So God, he's still God, but he has now wrapped himself in humanity to come to the earth. And so as people look at him, what do they see? They see Christ. They see Christ in the flesh. And what Jesus does is that he says, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to interact with mankind and I'm going to walk among them and I'm going to get close to them and I'm going to be around them constantly so they see me. I'm going to show them what it looks like to live, to be God in the flesh. I'm going to show them how we treat each other. If I was all human, I'm going to show them how to take care of one another, how to talk to one another. I am going to come in the flesh, but this is important. The reason I'm coming in the flesh is not just to do this. See, this is important because this helps us put flesh and blood on something. But the problem with this is this isn't, this isn't the reason that he did this. He did this because we were sinners apart from God in our humanity, and we needed a way to God, and the only way to God is if we shed our sinless blood, but we were sinners, so we're, we're kind of up a creek without a paddle. But Jesus says, you know what, I'll come in the flesh, and my flesh will die. My flesh will shed its blood that can be applied on the behalf of all of humanity who want to accept it. And this is what happens. And so Jesus comes in the flesh. And then, here's what he does. He leaves. And there's a part I left out I'm going to get to here in a minute. But he leaves and he offers himself to anyone who wants to put their faith and trust in Christ. So when I decide that I want to put my faith and trust in Christ, Christ does this. Christ, now, who resides in heaven with the Father, puts his life in me. To do what? So there's a ton of implications for this, of this process for us. So let me draw a couple of them to us today to, to kind of help us understand some things. Because God did this and walked among us, He understands and experiences 
everything we experience. He understands temptation. He understands the pull to try and do wrong. He never chose that, but he understands the temptation of it. Um, he had temptation at a level you and I can't even fathom. He understands loss. He stood at the graveside of a friend who had passed away that he knew he would see again. He was going to raise him out of the tomb, but he stood there grieving because all of a sudden, Lazarus, whom I loved, wasn't here anymore. He understands what it's like to have struggles financially. He who owned the cattle on a thousand hills didn't own a house. He who had created the world, who had created trees, was now going to hang on one. He understands what it's like to get tired. God, who had never, ever, ever had to be tired, now for the first time, because he's, he's wrapped humanity around him, is going to get tired. God, who has never slept, is going to sleep. Why? Because he wrapped humanity around himself. God understands what it's, what it's like to have somebody do something to hurt you. He spent his entire life, three years of ministry, investing in 12 guys. And when the time came that he needed them the most, none of them were there. One of them who he was closest to turned around and started cussing and said, I don't know that blankety blank, blank, blank person over there. He knows what it's like to be hurt. Why? Because he came in the flesh. He wrapped flesh around himself. But he did that. Not just so we could have an example or a model, but he did that so that he could go to the cross. So that his body could be broken and his blood could be shed. So let's talk about what it means for us and some implications for us as we go throughout the week. First thing, it teaches you something about God. Um, it teaches you that we have a God who is willing to do that. Um, he had an incredible love for us. That's what Paul said in Philippians. It wasn't something, he looked at heaven and said, you know, it's something I've got to hang on to. He said, I'm willing to leave heaven to come to earth, to be limited by my humanity willingly. And at any time, by the way, you have to understand the Bible is very clear on this. At any time, all he had to do was say, I'm out. I don't want to do this. Probably one of the most intense prayers Jesus ever prays is right before, the, right before crucifixion. And he says, Father, if it be your will, let's not go down this road. If there's any other way, God, let's go to plan B. But he knew there was no plan B. This was the only way. By the way, that's why he was able to stand and look at a group of people and say, I am the only way, the only truth, and the only life. No one gets to the Father but by me. You're not getting to the Father unless you go through me. And that's why it's so important. You know, people go, well, there's many ways to God. Not according to Jesus, there's not. There's only one way. You go, well, that sounds pretty narrow. Well, when you understand what he did, it, it, it is pretty narrow, and rightfully so. But it teaches, the incarnation teaches me something about God in that he cared that much to do that for me. 
It also teaches me, it's interesting, because the next two things seem like they're opposites, but they aren't. It also teaches me something about humanity. When John talks about Jesus, he talks about him coming in the flesh and dwelling among us. That's an important word. The word literally has the idea behind the tabernacle. The tabernacle in the Old Testament, not the temple, the tabernacle was something that was continually moved. It was, and this is important, temporary. Some versions translated, and Jesus tented among us. In other words, it teaches me something about the idea that this life, this world, this flesh that we see is temporary. It's a tent. Now, I know that many of you camp. Very few of you tent. Uh, you're the true campers, all right? Um, but, I mean, you know, when you tent, that, I mean, those people. A tent is something that's temporary, you know. It's interesting. I go to the campground. I don't. The people with fifth wheels. Oh, come and look at the slide outs we've got, and the TV, and the LED TV, and the and we we just got satellite in our in our in our camper now. Ah, you know, uh, that's what that's what some of you do. But the people who don't go, come here. I want to look at this awesome tent, nineteen ninety nine at Walmart. This is like the coolest tent ever. We don't put a lot of stock in the tents. Why? They're tents. And, and, and the thing about John, when John talks about Jesus, he says, he just tented among us in this body. I, this is my own personal thing. Don't go throw out your pictures of Jesus. I, I don't like, I, I'm, I, they're not my favorite. I don't like um, paintings of Jesus with his face. Um, in my office hangs one of my favorite paintings of Jesus. It's a Han horse. It's by a Dutch master uh, guy who's a, who's a, it's a reproduction. It's not the real thing because the real thing is really expensive. But it's of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus in the carpenter shop. And Jesus is a little child holding the lamp for Joseph as he carves on a piece of wood. Because that picture to me represents really who Jesus was. The idea that he was willing to do that, to come to that level, to be able to help Joseph in a carpenter shop. Um, and it gives me this interesting idea and concept of it. I like pictures that don't show the face of Jesus. Because it leaves something in my imagination. It leaves a little bit of mystery there for me. And I, 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 I think it's important that we understand that when we talk about Jesus, there's a lot of focus on his body, but it's temporary. This is God. This is simply the tent, the shell that he tabernacled in. You go, okay, so what does that mean for me? Let me ask you something. Why are we spending so much time on this? I mean, we spend so much time on this shell. We spend so much time. And, and, and for those of you who, you, you, when we deal with loss, you know, I try, to, I try to remind a family of this all the time. We're dealing with their tent. It's not who they are. It's not them. It, and, and I understand, you're like me. We like flesh and blood. You know, it's kind of like kids say, you know, they're like, well, I, you know, I got to see grandpa. I don't want to just know about grandpa. You know, we like, we like things that we can touch and feel and are tactical and, and, and all that. I, I get all of that. 
But we need to remember that these are our tents. This is not us. Inside of us, there's a soul. There's a soul that is really who we are. And this is just the flesh and blood that comes with it. It was important that Jesus come in the flesh. But we need to remember that Jesus coming in the flesh was temporary. Um, And the focus was not the fact that that's who Jesus was. See, that's what the disciples missed. The disciples thought that Jesus was flesh and blood. And when flesh died, they were like, oh, it's all over now. When Jesus appears to them, then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, okay, this is real. This is real. So there's that aspect to it. And then there's this aspect. There's an aspect for us as believers today. And that comes down to this. This is God. Well, wait a minute. I, I, I want to. The illustration gets a little goofy, but you, you understand where I'm coming. Okay, so this is God. This is Jesus. Hey, in heaven together. You got that? Here we are. Let me go back to this. Okay? So now here's a question. You and your tent live here. And you spend your entire life and your entire existence here. And the day comes that you take your last breath, your heart beats for its last time, and you stand before God. Here's a question. Why is God going to let you spend eternity with him? You see, because Jesus said, I am the only way, the only truth, the only life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So the question when we take our last breath and stand before God is very, very simple this. What would you do with Jesus? What did you do with Jesus? Did you accept him? Or did you just say, it's not for me right now? Because see, notice this. What happens when I say, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior, I put put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ for my salvation, to have eternal life? What happens now? Now I die. I stand before God. Now. Why? Why should I let you spend eternity with me? That's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? That's kind of a no-brainer. Because of me? No, 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 no. Because of, and here's the key, Christ in me. Listen to this passage. Uh, Guys, throw up that last one. Um, Here's what it says, Colossians. Of this church, this is Paul speaking, I was made a minister that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, that is the mystery, which has been hidden from past ages and generations. And here's the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, because here's the, here's the reality of it. The reality of it is, this is what happens when we put our faith and trust in Christ. But the reality of it is, Jesus went away to come back one day, He's in heaven with the Father. He has put his life in me. Why? So that I can interact with people here. So guess what? Charles Spurgeon said it this way. The world will not read the Bible. They read Christians. In other words, as you and I interact with these people, they see Christ in us. And as they see Christ in us, There is a desire that all of a sudden they say, I want what you have. 
And we're able to say, you know what? Let me tell you the story about a God who loved you so much that he came to this earth. And if you'll put your faith and trust in him, guess what? You can have Christ in you as well. On the other hand, if you want to reject him, and the day comes that you stand before him. And the question is, what did you do with me? What did you do with Jesus Christ? Well, I was going to do it one day. No. Well, I want one more shot. Well, give me one more chance. Really? Jesus tells a parable about a rich man who says, Hey, let somebody come back from the... Let somebody, let somebody go back and tell my brothers, because I don't want them to endure this separation from you. I don't want to endure this place called hell is what it's called. I don't want them to endure that. And God says, you know what? Even if one came back from the dead, they're not going to believe. If they don't believe now, they're not going to believe. The Christmas story is about a God who wrapped himself in flesh and came to this earth so that he could come in a human body to shed his blood for us. The beauty of that is he then offers that to anyone who wants it. Most people are never going to read the Bible. All they're going to be able to see is Christians that God has put into their life. You know what your challenge is this week? That people would see Christ in you. So that means that when people start to tell jokes that aren't appropriate, you're not the one they're hearing it from. It means that when situations come up where you have an opportunity to reflect the teachings and practices of Jesus or the teaching and practices of this world, you respond this way. There's an interesting passage. It's my favorite passage. Um, by the way, just for notes, um, I want it preached at my funeral. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, write it down somewhere. Um, here's what Paul says. He talks about ministry. and There's a fascinating analogy in that, in that passage. And he says that their minds are blinded. Now, that's interesting because normally minds don't get blinded. Eyes get blinded. But he talks about the idea that Satan messes with the minds of people so they don't believe. So that they reject God. But he brings out the fact that God allows things to happen in our lives so that they might see God at work in our lives and see God in us. And he says that's what happens in life, is that although Satan's blinded their minds, their eyes are still open. So if we can live out Christ, then though their minds may want to argue it, their eyes see something much different. And that's why it's so important that people see Christ in us. Because the great thing about the Incarnation is it shows us that godliness and humanity can live together in one. We don't have to act like the world. Why? We have Christ in us. We can do it different. 
The incarnation is a great mystery. You go into all the details of it and try to understand it all. You'll just boggle your mind for how complex it is. But the simple fact of it is this. That God loved me enough to come to the cross, to wrap himself in human flesh. I mean, think about it for a minute. And, And I'm not trying to be crude. God, as a baby, having to nurse... God, as a baby, having to have diapers changed? God, as a baby, learning how to walk and talk? That's mind-boggling. That he would love us that much. That's what the incarnation is about. God, the creator of the universe, hanging on a cross... Dying when he never had to die because he was sinless, but doing it all because he loved us and willingly to go to the cross for us? That's a mystery you can't comprehend, but you can sure appreciate and you can sure learn from it. And so I would remind you as we go out into this week, this is a time that people tend to be a little more open to talking about Christ. Let them see Christ in you and look for those opportunities. Because you and I might be the only Bible they see this season. So I end this way. I end with the idea, with the concept that, let me go get to it. The incarnation reminds us that God loves us enough to humble himself to come to us. He models what it looks like to walk among us. And he shows us and challenges us to live for him in a fallen world. Let's pray. Lord, use us. Lord, if there are here, people here this morning that have never put their faith and trust in you, would you help them to understand that, Lord, one day the ultimate question that they're going to have to answer is, what did they do with you? And Lord, may they settle that. May today be the day that they settle that. Lord, for those of us that have put our faith and trust in Christ, Lord, would you help us to let our light shine so that people could see Christ in us? Lord, when we're tempted to act in ways that don't bring honor and glory to you, would you help us to respond in such a way that people know there's something different and that you give us the opportunity to share with them the idea that it's Christ in us? Thanks for this season. Lord, we don't know why you loved us as much as you did but we're grateful that you did. So help us to live in that light this week. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, Let's stand together and... uh...